Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, I have a very special guest with me in person, my very first in-person podcast. I'm super excited. Peyton Busker is here. Peyton is, she works full-time for Evlo now. She is a physical therapist. She teaches for Evlo. She's a former reformer Pilates um, instructor. And we're going to talk all about Pilates, reformer Pilates, all of the things and kind of her experience. So welcome to the podcast, Peyton. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here and just to talk kind of about my experience and what brought me here. Yes. So let's start with your kind of background because you've been teaching fitness for a long time. You've Mm -hmm. been in this world for a long time Mm -hmm. and we have a really similar background. You're a physical therapist. You've also, you know, been in the fitness world. So tell us a little bit about kind of what brought you to where you are now. Yeah. So I went to college for and studied biology. And while I was there, that's really when I became into group fitness growing up. I never really did group fitness classes. I mean, I played sports like most, most children was not good at any of them. Um, but still had fun. Uh, and then I really got into fitness and kind of thought about starting to take care of myself in college, um, and wanted to have like an active routine. And I kind of fell in love with reformer Pilates and found a local studio in Austin and became a member and, was just there all the time. And I actually did some, like we called it energy exchange membership where I like worked for the studio, like at the front desk in order to pay for membership because I was in college and couldn't afford it. Yes. You were were broke. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I was there so much and the owner was like, we're going to do a teacher training. You should, you should do it. And so I did. And I really enjoyed it. And it's just kind of funny, though, to look back. Again, we have similar experiences. But I mean, I was 19 or something like that and teaching a class of 11 people on reformers, not really knowing a whole lot about the human body. Mm -hmm. And it's just really interesting to look back on. I I had a lot of fun, but it kind of crazy. To look it back. is. And we talk about this all the time. We're like, there's so many, like I was the same way. I was 19. I was teaching yoga to, you know, at the rec center where there were sometimes be like 50 people yeah. in a room yeah. and I'm teaching yoga and I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. And it's so unfortunately common in the fitness world where, and we meet, we meant well, you know, and of Absolutely. course we wanted to learn and we wanted to be great at teachers and we didn't want to hurt people, but it's so rampant. The lack of education, like looking back, who let me as a 19 year old, excuse me, who, yeah. Who gave me the right? <laughs> yes. I'm confused. With I'm... Like little to no education. Yeah. But yeah. So I think, you know, I love that. I love your story. I love how our stories are so similar. So then you become a physical therapist and you eventually find Evlo. Mm-hmm. So tell us kind of what, what made you gravitate towards Evlo? Yeah. So at the time when I joined Evlo, which was August of 2020, so pretty, pretty early on in the Evlo world, um, I was working full-time as a PT, but also teaching reformer Pilates at the clinic that I worked at. Um, but very different than my college experience. We had three reformers. It was a lot more structured. I was the only instructor at the time. Um, and then I obviously was also a PT. So I had a little bit more knowledge at that point in time, which was good. Um, but I was still just craving something one for myself for my own personal fitness. I was actually going to be getting married the next May. 
And not from a, I definitely didn't, I do not subscribe to the shedding for the wedding or any of that yeah. to say the least, but just wanted something to, to do that I could do in the middle of a pandemic that yes. could still make me feel good and feel my strongest and my best on my wedding day. And then simultaneously, I really wanted something for my patients that most can't afford to pay for those private Pilates classes with me after they're finished with me from a PT perspective. And I wanted a program that I could like in full confidence recommend to my patients and know that they wouldn't show back up on our doorsteps in three months because they had injured themselves again, doing, doing something um, that I like didn't have control over, didn't have an idea of what they were doing. And so I stumbled upon you on Instagram, like many of us, and just a lot of some of the main things that I, that stuck out for me, one of the main things was like a lack of emphasis on stretching, which the clinic that I worked at is a postural restoration certified clinic. And that form of PT is, is kind of not anti-stretching, but stretching is almost like a bad word yeah. in that clinic. Yeah. Um, so is in the MAT in yeah. the, the format that I use muscle activation technique, they're kind of the same way. Yeah. It's like less emphasis on stretching, yes. more emphasis on stabilizing, on getting activation, your to contract mm-hmm. and relax. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of saw some of your content around that. And then I saw that you had a program um, and that it was all virtual. And so I was like, I reached out to you and said kind of the same thing I'm saying now if I'm looking something for myself, something for myself, something for my patients. And we just connected then. And I tried Evlo, then Levo uh, for, I like started it with the intention of, oh, I'm just going to try it for a month. And then I've never done anything since. I've never looked back. (laughs) So she's a lifer now. So tell us like from someone who went from doing like basically exclusively reformer Pilates, Mm -hmm. correct, Mm -hmm. to doing, you know, resistance training Mm -hmm. in different ways, weightlifting, yeah, basically, and maybe a little Pilates, whatever we were doing in Envelope. What differences did you notice? And I would like to kind of go into um, like physically what what goes on in a reformer class because I know people love reformer classes Mm -hmm. so I kind of want to go into that like what can we expect to happen in our bodies when we take a reformer class versus when we're taking like an Evlo type class where we're lifting and things like that yeah so in in PT school and then after like I was primarily doing I would pop into reformer classes when I could like when and there was so I liked the the fun element of the reformer classes. I was always, I always felt mentally engaged. I felt like I had to really focus, um, in, in my classes and they were kind of like almost just an escape for me. Um, I didn't really feel like I had a plan or a rhyme or reason for, or any sort of, especially any sort of muscle specific programming. So although I like felt pretty good as I was doing reformer classes, I never saw honestly any big physical changes uh, in in my body. I wasn't necessarily tracking anything specifically. I wasn't weighing myself or anything like that, but just, you know, looking in the mirror, wasn't noticing any, any major changes. It's like, okay, well I feel good. They make me feel good while I'm doing them. And whereas on the total flip side, when I started Evlo and started really honing in and focusing in on that specific muscle fatigue, that specific muscle work, I began fairly quickly for, especially for me to see 
like very real tangible muscle hypertrophy or muscle growth um, in specific muscles that I had never, never, I didn't even know existed for me. Uh, (laughs) I'm like the body type that definitely does not develop muscle easily. Um, And so, and I always, that was always like, okay, it it is what it is for me. I'm just not going to be muscular. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. And, and my mom was kind of that way. Like just genetics play such a huge role into it still to this day. Um, But it wasn't, it was very interesting and very cool to see my body change in that way. in that specific muscle growth way um, that I didn't think was possible for me. It's so awesome. And I think it's for, you know, I would love to hear the reason why you think yeah. that happened. Yeah. So let's talk about like, and we're not, by the way, just so everyone knows, we are not bashing reformer Pilates at no, all. No, absolutely not. And we want to talk about like when, like, we just want to be real about like what is probably happening to your body mm-hmm. and when and why you would want to incorporate. You know, yeah. If, if you wanted to, if it was something that you love. Yeah. So let's talk about like. What do you think is the difference physically, mechanically in a Pilates reformer class versus in like some of our lifting classes? Yeah, I think, you know, knowing what I know now, um, I think with reformer classes or Pilates classes in general, you're really getting at a lot of those type one muscle fibers. So the goal, if you're wanting to achieve muscle hypertrophy, you, the goal is to activate as many of the muscle fibers as you can. So going through type one and then going through the different versions of type two or the different levels of type two. Um, and then for those listening at home, that that is like complete jargon. Like what the heck is that? Does that even mean those type one muscle fibers are muscle fibers that are kind of more of your endurance fibers. So if you think about in a Pilates class, like you could, you're doing those little like shoulder pulses and you're just pulsing and pulsing and eventually they start really burning. But then if you let your arms go down for a second and then start doing them again, typically you can go again for, for another 90 seconds. That's a really good way to put it. It's like they, they rebound very quickly, very quickly, very good at bouncing back. So those, I think that that is primarily what is being activated in a Pilates class. And with that, those muscle fibers are actually smaller than the type two muscle fibers. So you're not activating the muscle fibers that are going to have more of an effect on muscle hypertrophy. Yes. So it's, it makes sense that, okay, in reformer classes, a lot of times, most of the time they're full body classes, unless you're at a studio that is specifically focusing on upper body or lower body one day versus the other. But most of the time it's full body and people can go every day of the week. And oftentimes they're not necessarily getting injured from Pilates. Yes. It's, it's a fairly safe mode of exercise. And if you listen to you know any of our other content within Evlo, we emphasize not not overusing the body and it might, it might seem like, okay, well, why wouldn't, why aren't they seeing overuse injuries as much? And I think it boils back down to there. You're not getting into those kind of higher levels of, of muscle fiber activation. And so you're not necessarily as at risk for injury, but you also might not be moving the needle in the way that you want to. I think that's a really important differentiation because that is a type of movement that you could do every day because type one muscle fibers recover within a matter of like seconds. Yeah. And then, but type two muscle fibers that are recruited more when you're doing something that requires more force, when you're doing like a harder exercise that, you know, you're really fatiguing your muscles and 
like getting, getting to a point close to failure. Mm -hmm. And those muscle fibers can take days or Mm -hmm. weeks as opposed to seconds to recover. So that's where when you're doing hit type classes every day, or even when you're doing like, you know, even spin can get into those type two muscle fibers, things Mm -hmm. like that. Those are the types of modalities that we're talking about when we're talking about overuse injuries. Yeah. Whereas like something like a Pilates class where you're staying in that type one threshold, Mm -hmm. um, you're, you might not be, you might, you might be able to do that every day. Yeah. Now this is an important differentiation because there are some reformer exercises or Pilates exercises. I'm sure that are, that are targeting those type two muscle fibers. Yes. Yes. Can you think of any off the bat that, that you think just mechanically? Yes. I think, so let's say loading, you can do different types of loaded bicep curls with, with the straps on a reformer mm-hmm. and you can load it up pretty heavy too. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, the, the springs are your weight, are your resistance. So if you added like a good bit of resistance and you were, and you were being very specific with how you're holding your arms as well, yes. um, in order to mechanically bias the biceps, I think you could absolutely get to those type two fibers. Yes. Yes. I think with let's say if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, how will I know if I am or not in a Pilates class, if you're doing an exercise, let's say you're doing that bicep curl and the, you're doing it for longer than 90 seconds, you're probably not hitting at more than just the type one fibers. But if you're doing a few repetitions, it's less than 90 seconds and you cannot pick up your arms one more time. You're probably getting to them there. Yes. Um, and, and, Pilates is like a very wide spectrum as well. So a lot of Pilates studios do repetitions and they do very small amounts of repetitions. So again, you're probably not going to really get to those type two muscle fibers with that. Um, so it depends on the studio you're at. Like most people aren't having you do things for more than 90 seconds or at up to that 90 second mark. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about, cause those classes can be hard. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the difference between being hard, a class being hard or a workout being hard and a workout being bang for your buck effective. Yeah, that's a, that is a really important differentiation. I think, um, that, that is definitely prevalent within Pilates classes because anyone who's taken a Pilates class and is listening to this thinking like, no, no, I'm working my muscles really hard. It's re- because it's exhausting or it's really fatiguing or I feel it feels like hard to do or anything like that. Like, yes, absolutely. It it feels very hard. However, there's a very big difference between hard and effective and something can be just generally fatiguing and difficult because it's requiring a lot of different little stabilization muscles going on uh, to like stay on the reformer safely. Or um, you might be involving like a lot of compound movements. You're, you're involving multiple body parts, multiple muscles. So that can be physically taxing. That can be hard. However, it might not be biasing your muscles if from a biomechanical standpoint, that's actually loading them in order to move the needle with that muscle hypertrophy, if that's your goal. Yes. So that's why some, that's why a Pilates class can feel freaking hard, but you might not be saying, seeing that same muscle growth that it might be your goal. Right. And like we were talking about before we started the podcast, it's like, 
you're just trying to like stay and not fall off yes. the performer. Yes. And so you have to flex everything as hard as possible. Absolutely. And we use the analogy of like, it's like when you're like walking on ice, like walking on ice, you have to flex everything <laughs> and like tense up so you don't fall over. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that walking on ice is a like good strength to, builder, right? Good strength yeah. builder. It just means you have to tense everything up Yeah. and there might be benefit to that, you know, of improving stabilization, things like that. Again, we're not knocking any of this. We're just mm-hmm. trying to educate on like, okay, what is this actually doing for my body? Because when we think about growing muscle, the best way to, um, induce hypertrophy is to come at an angle that is specific to that muscle instead of trying to hit a bunch of things at once and getting kind of so, so with each muscle, Mm -hmm. like opposite position loading one singular muscle at a time. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about opposite position loading and what that means? Yeah. So with opposite position loading, you have to have the force coming at the, like coming at a perpendicular line to the muscle that you're trying to activate. And while you absolutely can do this on a reformer, like I said, with my bicep curl example, there is a, a very good way to opposite position load your biceps with the reformer straps. However, that's not something that's really emphasized, at least in the Pilates training that I did. Um, and from what I understand, that's not really emphasized like overall in Pilates training, just like it's not emphasized in most fitness yes. trainings. This it's, it's a very specific concept and something that we don't get a whole lot of education on, even in PT school, even yeah. at that level. So while there can be ways to mechanically use that reformer, to opposite position load your your muscles it's it is one not really talked about and two it's it's a little bit harder to do and to and to still have like a pretty flowy routine in in the whole mix yes. you know oh well let's let's talk about the flow yeah because you were saying how she we were talking last night how you structure your classes mm-hmm. to be more about or how you used to structure yeah. when you were in college yeah. to be more about the flow and the enjoyment rather than what is this actually doing for my body exactly i when i think back to that point in my life i i it's weird the way my brain works i see things as like a dance or i i saw my my classes as like a dance i wanted to provide like the best possible flows from one side of the reformer to the other. And I was pretty much never thinking, oh, what is this actually targeting? What muscle are we hitting? What muscle groups am I wanting to hit today? That wasn't in the, even in my brain at all. Um, and again, that is not to say that that's the case for all Pilates instructors. This was me as a 19 year old and what was my focus and also what I enjoyed in a class. So when I went into a reformer class at the studio I was at, I preferred teachers who taught that way, who taught yes. like, oh, I don't want to have to be up and down or I don't want to have to be, I want this to make sense. I want it, I want it to be pretty and flowy. Yes. And again, that is sometimes fun mentally and it's nice to have that in and where I see that now in terms of my teaching with Evlo is in more of my build and burn classes. I'm kind of able to, to layer that in and, and find clever ways to go like from the ground, from the, from standing to the ground to sideline. And that's where I've, I've found that it works really well. But then we have other classes more like my build classes, like my upper body build class that sometimes it's going to look a little jagged, 
but that's because we have to get into all these different positions to bias the muscles appropriately to get the most bang out of our bus. And I'll take that you know, 10 days out of 10 over it looking pretty sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. You got to put your body in different positions in order to opposite position load the muscle that you're actually trying to target. Yes. Like you wouldn't want to work, you know, bicep standing and then shoulders standing because, um, maybe we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but standing lateral raises late phase load the muscle. We want to be tipped on our side. We want to be sidelined to work the deltoids. Um, so it's like, okay, we're going to do bicep curls upright and then we're going to go on our side and then we're going to work deltoids and we're going to come back. And yeah, so it's like, yeah, it is more up and down, but it just depends. I think what we're getting at is like, it just depends on what your goal is for exercise. Mm-hmm. Do you want to move and feel and be flowy and, and feel good and, um, like engage your muscles. Great. Take like, a reformer. Take a reformer Absolutely. If you are looking to build your muscles in ways that um, slowly build you up without like straining your joints. Mm-hmm. That's where lifting comes in and yes. it might just be a little more jagged and that's okay. It's just, it just all of this with exercise. It just depends on your goals and what you want. Yep. Um, let's switch gears and talk a little bit because I think so many people gravitate towards Pilates mm-hmm. because they see the instructor mm-hmm. yeah. and they see, and this goes for any exercise modality, not just Pilates. Yeah. And as instructors, we can say this, but I never felt like I had like the fitness instructor body type. Like I felt like, you know, like you, I also have a really hard time gaining muscle. I've never been super athletic. I've never been super coordinated. And so like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I've never fit into an instructor body mold, but I never really cared. Like I was just like, I'm just going to do this because I love it and I want to. Exactly. But, um, I think a lot of people will look at a Pilates instructor and a lot of Pilates instructors gravitate towards Pilates because they're good at it Mm -hmm. and because they have a dance background. Yes. And so they have that perhaps genetic component that makes their body respond really well to certain type of exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that something that you saw or like, let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. No, it's definitely something that I saw. And I think it's interesting. I feel like very similarly to you and that I didn't fit that mold. Although I, I danced growing up for like 11 years not a good dancer. I'm not flexible, like the conventional flexible quote unquote, since this is a podcast, you can't see me using my fingers, but (laughs) you know, not, not flexible. Don't have all the pretty lines of, of being able to kick my leg in the air and all that stuff. But that all is very helpful as a Pilates instructor, because you look really pretty on the reformer doing all the arabesque work and all of the like plank work with lifting your legs and all the things. So I think that former dancers um, naturally gravitate towards things like Pilates and yoga because they can be really good at it and they can look really good doing it. But it's not Pilates that is giving them that look. It is their like natural inclination and what they've grown up doing that has predisposed them to be quote unquote better at at being that type of instructor. And we see it a lot, again, not just with Pilates, but in sports, for example, you see swimmers and swimmers at an elite level have a pretty, pretty similar body type all the way around. Um, for the most part, there's variation, but oftentimes you think, Oh, if I want that body type, I need to swim. I need to just swim my little butt off. Whereas 
what has really happened is that again, genetically, the people with that specific body type have been better and better and better at swimming and made it to that elite level because of their genetic predisposition and working their asses off. Let's not forget that part. But that is what has made them better at swimming from like a like physical standpoint. It hasn't been the swimming that has developed them into this specific body. Yes. So it's really not fair to look at an, at a fitness professional and mm-hmm. say, this is the workout they do. So if I do what they do, I will look like them. Absolutely. It's just not because there's, I read a study. I wish I could find it. If I could find it, I will link it in the show notes, but mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be able to find it. But it said something like they predicted the genetic... Uh, variation accounted for 70% of your results from your workouts. Wild. 70%. It's wild. a lot. Mm-hmm. It's most of it. It's most of it. And so it's like, you can't just look at someone who does bar and think like, oh, well, I want a booty like her. So I'm going to do what yes. she's doing or yes. whatever it is. Um, and so ultimately what we have to do is understand the human body mm-hmm. at generally. Yes. And then apply forces to the human body that are going to create um, the most change for the general. Yeah. For the, for the general human anatomy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's switch gears and talk about core. Okay. Because a lot of people gravitate towards Pilates or core. Yeah. I feel like it's even become pervasive with doctors saying, Oh, you, you you have back pain. You should just go do some Pilates and get, get some core. So much. So much. All the time. And I've even had patients that, and I used to not, I used to not correct them, but then I got better at just trying to, more from just trying to educate. I'd have patients that had been former patients and then switched over to the Pilates side when I was doing that in person. And they're like, I love Pilates because I'm just always working my core. Throughout the entire class, I'm working my core. Like, okay, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Are we actually working our core the whole time? And there's a very big difference between isometrically contracting your abdominals versus appropriately loading the abdominal muscles for hypertrophic change. There's just a very clear difference. And although it might feel like you're contracting your core the whole time in a Pilates class, that doesn't mean that you're actually loading it in order to make changes. You're just squeezing your core. Yeah. Which that in and of itself can potentially not be the best thing because a lot of us, especially as females, we've gone around like sucking in our stomachs and like trying to hold everything in tighter. Cause that's what we've been told that we need to do. And then our muscles become so overactivated and we don't know how to relax them. And so then we can't let them go and that can lead down a whole nother rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be, that is one element that can be potentially dicey of going into Pilates with the intention of, I want to learn how to hold my core all the time. Mm -hmm. I want to learn how to do that. And I would argue that I, I would hope to see more of like emphasizing that our core should not always be turned on and should not always be engaged in a Pilates class. And that it's actually more effective to do exercises that are loading the core appropriately. And then when you're not, let your core relax. Yes. Yes. Let it go. Let it relax. Like in our sideline exercises, like for in, in our burn classes um, or burn type moves with loading our, our outer thighs. 
we are really specific about saying, okay, we're lifting our leg here. If you feel your trunk or your core start to get involved, you've gone too far. Yes. You've lifted too high. This is not a core activity. Not everything should be a core activity. Let's be specific with our core work. Yes, totally. And we were even talking last night because you have postural restoration background. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, we are taught like, and again, we'll probably do a different podcast yeah. about this, but we were taught, you know, always like flex your core, even when you're just standing there, yeah. even when you're sitting. Mm-hmm. And I even like have a background of doing that for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And it eventually I think contributed to my back pain. Yes. And once I learned, like, I don't have to be doing a Kegel all the time. Right. I don't have to be like, like pulling my stomach in all the time. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about from a postural standpoint, mm-hmm. what your abs should be doing if you're just standing there? Yeah. So there is a level of activation when you're standing upright, both in the front part of your core and the back part of your core. So abs are the front and then back we've got the paraspinal muscles that run along the spine. And there's a level of activation there to keep you from going into a back bend or going forward into into a forward fold. Exactly. Yes. But it's not something like you do not have to be specifically tensing the abdominals in order to stand appropriately, um, you know, for whatever that, that means. And I feel like we get a lot or not necessarily get a lot within Evlo, but as physical therapists, we get a lot. Oh, how am I, how should I stand? What's the best posture? What's the best thing I should do? And so often we see people and I would see it when I was practicing as well, people overcorrecting, bringing their shoulders way, way back, bringing their, and which then kind of flares their rib cage up and puts them into a position where it feels like you might need to tense your abs because your rib cage is coming up and then they want to tense their abs to bring it back down. But we want that to be coming from deeper within, from kind of the deeper abdominals but not on a conscious level necessarily when you're just standing there. We want to use exercise to appropriately load all the different parts of our core so that there's not imbalances there so that when you're standing upright, you don't have to think about it. Yes. You're not thinking, oh, I need to put my shoulders back or, oh, I need to do this. It's like, no, let's let's incorporate into a routine appropriate activation of the deeper abdominals, like the transverse abdominis and the the internal obliques. Those are really key for from a postural standpoint. Um, and then also adding in that rectus work, the rectus abdominis, that six pack kind of standard abs that people think about. Let's incorporate that appropriately so that we can relax them so they aren't overactivating. And that's what I think is the key as opposed to let me be conscious about it when I'm just standing there. Yeah. So it should feel relatively natural. It shouldn't yes. feel like you have to think about it. it exactly. Feel like you have to always brace. Exactly. Yeah. And hold Would it. Would not recommend. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that causes more inflammation and, and issue. Yeah. The back pain, all the things. All the things. Yeah. And then it causes, like, from my experience working with patients and just myself, even mm-hmm. your when you do go to work your abdominals, it's almost less effective because yes. you're not able to get that good contraction because you're at this kind of like low level of, I'm always kind of contracting Yes, that it. low level of tone. Yes. And mm-hmm. you're not able to get the full spectrum of contract with 100% effort, relax with 100% effort. Yes. So the, then your quote unquote core work ends up kind of getting watered down. Absolutely. We see that with the rectus abdominis a lot. So that the six pack muscles. A lot, a lot. They tend to be, in most people, very overactive. And so then when you try to activate them in a class, 
Like you might find that I can't feel anything. And we've heard this even in our burn classes of, I, I cannot activate. Like I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not feeling it. So a lot of times it takes kind of peeling back and dialing things back to see like, oh, okay, I'm actually overusing that core, whether it's from me bracing all day or me coming from a, a mindset of, I need to work my core five days a week. Mm-hmm. Like each time I'm doing a class, mm-hmm. I need to be doing crunches or doing whatever it is every day. So we see overuse from kind of both ends of the spectrum, from just a postural standpoint, as well as from overworking it. And then you have trouble connecting when you're just trying to do it the one to two times a week that we yes. recommend. Yes. Well, let's talk about working your abs every day. Because... Okay. We were talking about earlier how you could technically do a lot of reformer type classes every yeah. day because they are loading type one muscle fibers mm-hmm. more often. Mm-hmm. What about for someone who just tacks on abs at the end of every workout? Is that still type one muscle fiber to, like recruitment or are they probably getting into type two? And cause we, I do see that often. I always see the overuse there. Mm-hmm. I would probably assume that they're getting into more of a type two fibers yes. and, and they are overusing because they're, they're not letting the type two fibers recover. I think with what's interesting with core work and what I've found like in Evlo, for example, with burn classes, we're not, we're not using external weight, but the, the abdominal muscles, when you're doing things like the ball crunches that we do, or just a crunch in general, they, the abdominals are extremely loaded against gravity. That's what makes them so effective. And so when you're loading them with that much force, you are most likely getting into those type two muscle fibers because you're feeling that, that feeling of, I cannot do one more rep and and you're not even close to like the minute mark I, I find. Um, and so I think it, I think it might be a little bit easier to get into those type two muscle fibers with the abdominal muscles, as opposed to something like the glutes. Yes. Um, and so I think when people tack on these exercises every day, and sometimes people will do the same exact exercises for their core every single day, because they want to make a change specifically within their abdominals. So I think they're getting to those type two muscle fibers. Then you'll see that lack of ability to contract, especially within the week. Like you get to Friday and you're doing those same exercises and you might notice, gosh, I cannot feel anything. Yeah. And it's probably because there's inflammation in that area, which dampens the connection from your brain to that part of your body, all the things there. And then also just from a, a, a different a, a different mindset around this is that we can't spot treat fat. So yes, people, are, people are doing it because they want... They want the six pack. Yes. But that's not the way to get it. It, Unfortunately, for better or for worse, nutrition plays such a huge component, especially in that abdominal region. Um, And it does not, uh, abdominals do not come from, or that look that you're looking for is not going to mainly come from tacking on abs five days a week. I would say that's actually going to push you in the opposite direction. Instead, focusing on it one to two times a week and then focusing on nutrition if that is your goal. Yes. And that is certainly not everyone's goal. And if it is your goal, that's great. But unfortunately, doing doing core work five days a week isn't going to get you there. Right. And the type of exercises that you're choosing will be more or less effective. Yeah, so absolutely. So like if you're doing – like let's talk about something that I, that I see a lot is like standing at work. Yes. 
Yes. So talk a little bit about standing ab work. Can you hear it in my voice, how yes. I feel about standing <laughs> ab work? Yes. So like we mentioned with getting to those type 2 muscle fibers maybe a little easier with abdominal work, where I'm specifically talking about lying on the ground doing something like a ball crunch. Yes. And that's because your chest is exa- – your the force of gravity is coming basically straight down through your chest, and it's directly – opposing in almost a directly perpendicular position, your abdominal muscles. So you're having to lift against that resistance. And that's what we have to do in order to activate or to really target a muscle appropriately. Whereas when you're standing, that line of gravity is going straight down through your head. It's just going straight down. So it doesn't take a lot of effort, kind of like we talked about earlier, to stand upright. You get a little activation in the abdominals, but that's it. So then if you think about doing something like a standing crunch forward, which I don't think that that's super common, but if it is, all you're doing is you're bringing origin and insertion of the muscle closer together, which is also a good practice. We, we want to do that in order to activate a muscle, but you're not loading it with any sort of force because that force from gravity is not opposing the muscle. It's just going straight through it, yeah. straight down through it. Yeah. And then if you think of something, let's say, let's bring the opposite end up, you're standing and you bring your knee up and you think that that's, you know, you're getting your, a lot of people will say like, oh, that's getting your lower abdominals. Mm-hmm. That's targeting the lower ones. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now you're loading your hip flexor. Right. So it's hip flexor. It's yeah. all hip flexor. Right. Or even in like a hanging leg raise. Yeah. This is not body specific, but like yeah. where you're, you have your forearms stacked on one of those machines at the gym and you're lifting your knees towards your chest. Yeah. There's hip very flexor. little. Yeah, it's mainly hip flexor. There's very. You have to brace your abdominals. Isometric contraction of the abdominals. And you yeah. might get a little curl at the end, but it's very, very small. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's mostly hip flexor. So exercise selection is key. And very. I think like, you know, we use the example of how you orient to gravity is very important. And when you're working the abdominals, basically you want your torso to be more or less perpen- or parallel With to the ground. The ground. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you're more upright, like standing, it would like, it would be like doing a bicep curl when you're laying on your side. Exactly. Like yeah, we that's a perfect example. Bicep curl. Like, yes, you're bending your elbow. You're using your bicep to flex your elbow and bend your elbow. But the load, if you're holding a weight and you're laying on your side, doing a bicep curl, bending your elbow, the load, the weight you're holding won't be biasing your bicep. No. It'll be biasing a rotator yeah. muscle. Yeah. So it, it's like this, it's like a similar idea. It's like, yes, you're Very moving so. and flexing. I think a good rule of thumb for this, because not every, you know, sometimes this gets a little like jargony and Mm -hmm. like, I think a good rule of thumb for this is like, if you feel like you could do an exercise all day long, it's probably not doing much for you. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just getting those type one fibers and you're getting the benefits of movement. You're getting blood flow to the area. You're getting, you know, improved cognition, improved mood, all of those things. But you're not necessarily moving the needle when it comes to muscle hypertrophy. Yes. If that's your specific goal. Yep. It so, depends on your goal. So for me now, let's say if I were to go into a reformer class, it would be with the intention of enjoyment of this feels good in my body. It's nice to move my body in, in sort of a, a different way. And I know I'm relatively safe doing this. Um, and it feels good just to, just to change things up just from a mental standpoint, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be, I would not be now going in with the intention of this is going to make the changes that I am interested in seeing at this point in my fitness journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not going to make those changes that I want to see in my body. Yep. So I can hear Evelyn members saying, 
Okay, so you're saying like on Saturday and Sunday instead of recovering, I'm oh, going to take reform no, 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 Pilates no. classes. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would say, let's say if we're incorporating, I actually did a blog post on how to incorporate other forms of exercise into your Evlo routine. So if you're interested in adding on reformer classes, I would more go into adding one reformer class on a day where you're normally doing full body um, because there's no way for us to tell what that instructor is going to be targeting. And although it's really getting more to the type one fibers, we still just want to make sure that your muscles are recovered from whatever we've done in Evlo. So I'd say you could do a reformer class on a Monday for your full body instead of our full body build. And then on your Wednesday and Friday, choosing a full body class from Evlo, getting more to those type two muscle fibers. Whereas on the weekend or on your recovery days, that truly means recovery doing really, really gentle motion that you know is not going to be getting into those type two fibers because there are some moves like we talked about in Pilates that might be getting to it. Mm-hmm. So we'd rather you not stress your system in, in that sort of capacity and do something that again is good just for movement and improve cognition and all those fun things, blood flow, like walking. Yes. Walking, like easy hikes, easy swims, bike riding, easy if bike. you like that. Yes. And listen, these are all just kind of best practices. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we always recommend you just get really curious about your own body and just test things out. And yeah. like, it's not the end of the world. What what you'll find is that if something is too much, you won't be recovering. So you, you'll feel sore all the time. You'll feel like you're not getting any stronger. Yeah. You'll start to feel ache. You'll start to feel your joints ache. Yes. That means that you got to tweak something about your routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done so many podcasts in the past about that. And yeah. we will continue to because it's important. And there's just no one size fits all. And there's not. We try to give best practices, like we say, but like at the end of the day, everybody's everybody's different. The genetic component is just huge. So we got to understand that. Yeah. Now, being curious about my body and what I could do with my body is what brought me to the place where I am. And so I'm so thankful for that curiosity and I highly encourage it for any and everyone listening. Like that's, that's when it gets fun. It can be so it can be really fun to see changes that you're wanting to see or to feel changes that you're wanting to feel, like more feeling good in your joints, feeling like you're sleeping better again, things like that that are not necessarily physical or not something that you're seeing in the mirror. Seeing those changes on top of seeing very real physical changes for me is what solidified yep. my like understanding of the method. Cause you can understand it from a, from like a scientific standpoint, you can understand it from like a mental standpoint. You're like, yeah, this makes sense. But sometimes it takes feeling those changes in combination with seeing those changes after many, I've almost been doing this two years. So it takes time yes. too. But when you start feeling those changes little by little, it's like, those, those pieces, those puzzle pieces really start coming together. And it makes it fun. It makes it so fun. And even like, oh my gosh, we had an Evlo, we did an Evlo photo shoot yesterday. And so we met some of the members and we had this member say, I'm I'm not going to say her name obviously, but she said, you know, my husband and I want to start having a baby Mm -hmm. and I've been an athlete my whole life, like basically killing myself in my workouts. And she said, I've been doing Evlo and I finally got my periods back. Yeah. And we both, both Peyton and I got oh, like, ooh, we're, we're both like tearing like, up. It's, it's like, and that's when you know you're on the right track yeah. is when your body starts to respond favorably. Yes. You start to feel better. And then when you start to feel better, then your body gives back to you. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see it change. And that's yeah. like, 
And then what, yeah, and you might go through phases of your life where you have to dial it back or you have to, you know, or you might be feeling good and you can add on and yeah, just your ability to kind of dip and dive and change as different seasons of your life change, I think is key as well. So me too. That's a really good point. Okay. Anything else that we want to talk about when it comes to like reformer Pilates, Pilates, anything about you? Did we cover it all? I feel like we got it. We hit a lot. <laughs> we got a lot. We hit a lot. We a lot in here. Well, you can find Peyton on the Evelyn membership. Mm-hmm. She teaches a killer mm-hmm. upper body build class that I take every week on Tuesdays. And she also, she teaches four times a week on the membership yes. at least. So mm-hmm. you can find her in many classes. She's an excellent, excellent teacher, wealth of knowledge. Peyton, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Yay. All right, everyone. We will see you all next week. Um, Remember that there are eight free classes in the show notes. So if you want to go try our method, you can click the link, put in your email, and you can keep those classes and take them over and over. They continue to be effective. That's it for now. We will see you all next week. Bye for now.